to the Vantage Performance Podcast again. I'm Phil Dobby. Now, if you're delivering services to a big company, like a, a mining company, how do you ensure that you get what's owed to you or what you expect from the deal? Well, Michael Rochester is a partner at legal firm McCulloch Robertson. He specializes in contracting for mining services and infrastructure projects. Now, Michael, from what we learned last week on the podcast, a lot of work in the in the mining sector seems to have been done on a handshake without any significant contract in place, or if there is one, it's, it's hardly ever referred to. Now, for a small company dealing with a, a larger firm like that, that, that's lunacy, isn't it? It is, it is, and it's coming to the forefront lately where there's been a change in the mining industry and I suppose people are now looking at their contracts with a little bit uh, more detail and closer than they were and sort of discovering, well, first of all, what is their contract? Often uh, there might just be a series of email exchanges and things like mm. that and the parties have never got around to actually signing a contract. And I guess in the, you know, it's in the big firm's interest, isn't it? I mean, uh, whether it's mining or any, any sector, if there's a big firm, uh, they're often going to try and avoid that contract if they can because, of course, it's convenient to have uh, most of the time, you know, relatively casual arrangements in place, I guess, because they're easy to finish if you don't need them anymore. Well, if you don't have a contract, then you're just falling back to a common law position, which you know may or may not be the best. And there's obviously the uncertainty and ambiguity. What is the actual deal? What are the rights and obligations of the parties? So having the contract document is uh, very, very important. Right. And and helps mitigate risk, which I guess is the key thing from the, from the supplier's point of view. So what are, what are the real risks that you're dealing with when you're particularly when you're you know a, a mid-sized or small company that's dealing with a, a significant sized company? What are the big risks? Well, first I think you've got to know what your risks are. I mean, too many people, I suppose, enter into a contract and just sign it um, without really reading it or understanding it. But a contract should reflect the particular risks of a project. And there's no one size fits all. So when you're doing work, it's very important to identify, well, what are the risks involved in this project? Um, if I'm building something in the middle of, uh, in the wet season as such, well, rain's a risk. You can't control rain, but I mean, your contract should deal with the implications of what happens if it does rain. Mm. How do you draw the line, though? I mean, I guess, it's, I mean, you could go on with a, a list that went on forever if you really uh, s- stuck into it and thought about it. Look, that's true, and it's important once you identify those risks of really then determining, well, what are the most important of these? Um, I mean, a lot of mining contracts put out by the large miners will obviously seek to transfer risk from the mining company through to the contractor, and um, it's often difficult to try and get every uh, one of those particular risks uh, negotiated away, but at the end of the day, there's probably a handful of important risks in a project which... um, you need to make sure the contract adequately deals with. Mm. In fact, this is I think this is very similar to dealing with government, isn't it? I think the first thing the government does when it's dealing with anyone who's contracting to them, yeah, how can we write risk out of the equation? Uh, it's not a balanced bargaining position here, is it? If you, if you want the work and they're saying, yeah, but you're going to have to carry some of the, the, the risk, how do you counter that? Well, look, at, like everything, it's a supply and demand situation. Um, I mean, the last few years, um, suppliers to the mining industry have been able to negotiate a better deal than they have because of the uh, demand in projects, the demand for resources, the demand for labour, but it's fair to say in recent times things are probably changing, so um, so it's probably the mining companies that can dictate the terms a little bit more. And I, I mean, can you can you hit them with a dose of reality as well and say, look, you know, in, I mean, look at us, we're a small company, if you put that risk on us? Uh, this could end our company or this could be, you know, this could, could, could severely influence our ability to continue providing services for you. Is it, does that sort of approach work? 
Well, that's right. Every risk has a price. Mm. Um, so, I mean, if anybody seeks to pass risk on, then usually there's some price premium for assuming that risk. But uh, in a perfect world, um, you'd obviously try and back-to-back -back your risk onto your insurance, but that doesn't always happen. But, um, you know, obviously insurance is very important to make sure that you are adequately protected um, in terms of uh, professional negligence issues if you're designing something or just general liability and products insurance. Um, but other other areas of risk where mining companies are generally receptive and understanding is um, not trying to pass on consequential style losses. So if the um, supplier makes a mistake which causes production of the mine to stop, which as a result the mine is unable to get sales, then at common law, um, the supplier be liable for all those consequential losses, but those figures are obviously of huge magnitude. So, mm. uh, mining companies generally are receptive that it would be unreasonable for a supplier to accept that risk just because of the magnitude of the losses. What about not getting paid? Um, again, for smaller companies, with any size company, obviously mm. it's a concern, but uh, for smaller companies without the cash flow, even having payment held back, perhaps because something has been uh, disputed, I mean, that can, that can be dis uh, disastrous. So what can you do at the, the contracting stage to prevent that from happening down the track? It does, and most states in Australia do have a security of payments legislation, but um, a lot of that legislation doesn't apply to certain parts of the mining industry. So, um, so it could be work which the supplier is doing which isn't covered by some of the legislation, so it then does fall back onto what the contract says and what the contractual remedies are. Um, again, unfortunately, often there's unequal default provisions in a contract. Um, the owner generally has further, uh, greater rights of termination than does the supplier. So the supplier needs to make sure that the contract clearly articulates what will happen if there's a failure to pay. Um, otherwise, um, the fact that the supplier hasn't got paid won't generally mean the supplier can stop work. Indeed, if they stop work, um, it can be seen as uh, being in breach of contract. So, so the contract should spell out whether if, if the, the supplier is not being paid, that um, it can suspend the works for a certain period of time and then if that's not remedied then ultimately termination because nobody wants to be in a situation where they're working and not getting paid. But is that going to wash? I mean if you put that into a contract I mean as you said I mean it's you know it's in, in, there's an imbalance of power here isn't mm -hmm. there so I mean it, is that the sort of thing because I would have thought you know it's sort of like uh, if, if you go to a big company and say hey look you know if you if you don't if you don't pay us on time